0: Well, it's delightful to be together this morning to, in the Lord's house to worship the Lord Jesus. For those of you that are online, we we welcome you. We're uh, blessed that you uh, take time to be with us, and we, uh, we're we thankful, grateful to the praise team there for, for leading us in a time of worship and expressing our love for the Lord, and uh, So let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 6, and I'd like to read the first 11 verses as we begin. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin live in it? certainly we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection be. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider or reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. it's such a, a pleasure to be studying Romans chapter six, and I look forward to, to getting to these uh, verses, these uh, chapters uh, that deal with sanctification and living the Christian life. Uh, so, uh, what we're looking at here is our justified position and what it means uh, in regard to those things. There's two basic questions in chapter six, and the first cha- uh, question we we see there in verse one. And it asks the question, do we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because grace has covered this multitude of transgressions with Adam, but it only took one transgression for mankind to, be, to have uh, sin imputed to them, to be uh, born spiritually dead and in need of salvation. So the question becomes that once we have become justified in Christ, uh, with this this sin issue, do we continue in sin that grace uh, may increase? So, and we might uh, um, make this question kind of practical: um, uh, Do we continue uh, looking at pornography uh, because we have been justified by faith? Do we continue in these these areas of sin in our life because the the, the statements have been that. Um, that we've been justified by, by uh, grace through faith and we've been given and have obtained access into this grace wherein we stand. So we've been given grace by God, that, that not that, uh, that grace may increase over our sins, but that we may have uh, victory over those and release from the bondage Of sin, which always brings death, for the wages of sin is death. So the question then, in the through these first verses and up to verse fifteen, has to do with: Do we continue in sin because grace has been applied to us? And this includes all areas of of sin that our our sinful and fleshly bodies uh, would engage in, that uh, it that were to be released from the bondage of sin. Uh, And so we're given to to righteousness because uh, what it says there in verse three that that uh, or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death in order that Christ uh, as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so we looked at those verses last time uh, we were together, but we're not to continue in sin, that uh, the grace of God is to deliver us from those things, but we're not to engage uh, in living the Christian life through the law or through our the power of our own strength, our own flesh, but through the grace that has been richly supplied that's where the power, the source is. So, and then the second question, uh, just to, to bring that up, if I can do the second question there, shall we con- commit personal sins because we are not under the law but under grace? Now these statements seem almost the same, but they're, they're a little bit different. And I'll just let you look at those, and we'll, of course, look at it in more detail when we get there. Uh, but one is the continuance of sin in our lives, and one is is uh, committing these personal sins. One has to do with grace that may increase and and one uh, makes the point that we're no longer under the law or under keeping uh, the Christian life and living godliness uh, by the the exercise of obedience to the law, but it's under grace uh, so. Uh, And so we look at first through these uh, chapters. Through chapter 4 we had justification by grace through faith. Beginning in chapter 5 we begin to look at sanctification and what it means in this newness of life to be free from the slavery and bondage of sin. And then there's three terms that we want to look at in chapter 6 here. Uh, and these three terms have the, the major term, and it's repeated over and over for us here in these verses, uh, that we're to know something, uh, that we're to, to know our new position in Jesus Christ, who we are in the family of, of God. Uh, and then in verse 11, if we get there this morning, it's we're to reckon or to depend upon the knowledge of, of those things that God has told us in his word. And the knowledge of of, of the uh, the truth that we've been baptized into Christ's death, that our identity has changed because we've been born again, we've been given new life. And in that change, we're to reckon upon that new life. We're to reckon upon the truth that God has declared to us. and that is the exercise of faith in these things. And then finally, there's the the word uh, to present. we're to present our bodies. Uh, To righteousness, no longer to sin as slaves to sin, but now to righteousness in Jesus Christ. And there's two uh, terms in this chapter that that are key. And in verse verse 19, there is uh, sanctification uh, that um, I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you are presenting your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. And that's the key word. Find this word also in verse 22. But having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome of, of eternal life. So, uh, in, in t- uh, two places, we find uh, this new term that's used, and it, it comes after justification. Uh, we move into the areas of sanctification. Justification is by God's grace through faith in the power of God to release us from the penalty and the guilt of sin. Sanctification is by grace through faith in the power of God and the source that we derive from Jesus Christ uh, over um, the power of sin in our lives. So if, if you're living uh, under the, the domination and the power or the slavery or the bondage of sin, the, these are the key things that we need to know, that we need to reckon upon, and that we need to engage in in presenting our bodies now as uh, as members of of Christ and of His righteousness, uh, that's God's plan. All who uh, call upon the name of Jesus are to depart from from evil and from wickedness. And the the universal principle that we studied in chapter two of Romans. Uh, That um, What does it say? It says there's tribulation and distress to everyone who does evil. It's a universal principle. You do evil, there's consequences for it. There's death. There's bad things. Tribulation and distress of the Jews first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor... And peace to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's a universal principle. A believer that does evil, there's tribulation and distress because of the consequences of sin is always death. God wants to deliver us from those things. And so sanctification is a beautiful thing that there's so much Misunderstanding in the Christian church about what it means to be sanctified and to walk in in holiness, being set apart to give glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ because we love Him because He first loved us and because of the glory of His person, the perfection of His character and His nature. It's to be reflected in the people of God. So I'm calling you to sanctification, calling you to holiness, uh, calling you not by the, the strength or the power of of the law and by the things that we've talked about earlier that I think I can, I think I can, or or I'm going to suck it up and, and live this Christian life, or I'm going to keep all of these things in the law or these areas of obedience, but by the the, the power of God's Spirit, by this access that we've been given uh, into God's grace uh, there is the power of God to do in and through you what you cannot do yourself god will do it he is our savior he is the one and there's access by faith into that grace to deliver you from from any bondage of sin the scripture our lord jesus said if the if the son shall make you free you shall be free indeed don't you want to be free uh, don't you want to be free of that tribulation and distress that always comes with sin uh, and to be free to, to bask in something much, much nobler and higher that God has called you to in Christ Jesus, that you might glorify our Lord Jesus and give honor to him in our walk. That's what sanctification is all about. Uh, there are things that we must know here. Let's look at this uh, first verse, number, verse number five. Uh, it's where we'll pick up this morning. And we're going to consider our, our justified position, what it means to us in sanctification, what it means to us in actually living out the Christian life. So look at verse five. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now think about that. The resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, the power of his holiness, of his righteousness. The, the, what Paul is saying here is that we need to know these things and what we need know is that because we have been identified in Christ's death that we are also in the likeness of his resurrection That's a a pretty amazing and cool thing. But what it means is that, that there's victory, that there's newness of life, that the believer gets to walk in because of what Christ has done for us and because God has identified you in such a way that you were baptized into his death. You're identified with having paid the full penalty for your sin for the wages of your sin was death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That eternal life is yours to be laid hold of by by God's grace through faith. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in His resurrection power. In fact, in uh, Romans chapter 8, it says that power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. So when the Holy Spirit When God gave the Holy Spirit to us to indwell us, that Holy Spirit has freed us and has has worked the same power that that worked the very resurrection of Jesus Christ from from the dead has indwelt you. You've been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And there's sufficient power, God's power, by His grace through faith for each one of us for everything that He's called you to, to live in a manner of obedience to His Word, not by by keeping the law by the strength of the flesh, but by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's things that we must know by faith. First is that Christ is our source of new life. So you ask me, Okay, I've got this problem with, with some area of sin. What's the, what's the answer? Because I want to be sanctified, but I'm struggling and struggling and struggling. You must find the source of your salvation, the source of life in Jesus Christ. So to, to, in, the, uh, in the face of Jesus, the things of earth grow strangely dim. The, the desire to sin is, is lost in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because of the beauty of His holiness. And what happens is that new desire that He's given us, having been born again, loves the right things. We desire the right things. We pursue the right things. Because it's it comes from in here, not from outside activity, not by doing things in our old nature, in our old flesh, not by, by becoming a religious person that does religious things and that that uh, that uses uh, outside uh, activities and behavioral modification to change the old man. But it's the new man, the new nature that Christ has given us that is our source of life. That's why. Uh, our our struggle is often with prayer and going there, God, uh, deliver me. Uh, uh, may your spirit have its reign and rule in my life. That spirit that raised up Christ from the dead. I confess my sin. I acknowledge my sin before you. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. Fill me with your spirit and give me the, the right hunger, the right desire. Why wouldn't we ask for such things? For the glory of of our Lord Jesus Christ and for for the, the blessing of, of fulfilling the will of God, the very thing that, that God called us to and, and has, has desired of us as his creatures. Uh, there's glory there, glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, but it must flow from the heart. It was so essential that Jesus Christ went to the cross with our sins and that it was his intention to change us from the inside because we had to be changed on the inside because the old man, the nature that came from Adam, can't be fixed. He must go to the grave. He, that body must uh, return to, the, to, the, to the, the dust from which it came that the the resurrection and the newness of life might be given. So we must understand that Christ is our source of life. Draw near to Him if you're having an area of struggle with some area of sin. Uh, If you're struggling with uh, some hatefulness or or anger towards someone or bitterness that you've harbored and you've harbored for years, God can release you from these things. That you may have glory and honor and peace in Jesus Christ, but you must find your source in him. You won't find it by correcting the old man or the old nature that is Adam's nature that's within all of us. So Christ is our source for salvation. There's a new source uh, in rebirth. When we're born again, God changes the motor inside of us. Here we have a, a diesel truck um, And it's being transformed because they're replacing it with a gasoline engine. And the gasoline engine is a new source of life. So if you try to put that diesel back in that truck, it's not going to go anywhere. And that's like the the picture here or the illustration is that our old nature, if we try to live the Christian life on the source of the old nature like that diesel, we're not going to go anywhere. Because that's that's the nature of our, our of our old man. It's it it it's the source is no good. We need that new source. We need the source that comes from Christ Jesus. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice that that these these things are, are things that we think, we think about, uh, we and we, we see as truth. We see what God has to say as reality despite our experience and the fact that we're struggling with sin and the fact that we don't feel like we've been born again and the fact that we, we, uh, we have uh, areas, all of us have these areas where, where sin uh, rules. There are pockets of, of things that, that haven't been, uh, been sanctified in Jesus Christ and God wants those. So he's taken us through this process of sanctification to transform us. But the key to it is knowing the reality of what God said about you. You have been justified from all the sins that you have committed, past, present, and future in Jesus Christ because God says so. And legally, in his presence, in his eyes, your guilt is gone. The penalty for that sin is gone because Christ Paid for it. And we renew our mind by, by believing, by faith, trusting in what God tells us about life. That's the bottom line. It's always the case that it is the law of faith... And the law of faith that God is my salvation and He's going to do what He said He would do. And I believe Him. I trust in Him for these things. And it's, it's key because that's where the source of power for living the Christian life for sanctification comes from. It's a simple principle. Children can understand it. That God's power that I must trust in Him because He's going to save me That's the bottom line. It's the bottom line with justification. It's the bottom line with sanctification. Isn't that glorious? Don't you want to tap into that source of life that Jesus Christ might be glorified in His people and that you're His people, that He's justified you and He's saved you from the penalty of your sin? Not that we can continue in sin, but that when gloriously in this new life that's been given to us, that we may honor Him and don't you love the Lord and don't you, don't you want to spend your life? You know, uh, it's, it's in Christ Jesus that we, we have this, this wonderful uh, work of God's salvation and grace to us. Um, and, and so we're, we're, we're blessed with such things uh, that, that God has done through Christ Jesus. And uh, all that I have is Christ. Uh, there's nothing else to to save me or to deliver me, but Christ on the throne is a beautiful and glorious thing. Uh, hallelujah. All I have is Christ, and Jesus, he is my life. And this is the transfer. He's that source he's he it's t- to be united with him in such a way. So let's look at this verse. And and as we consider these things, it says, um, for we have become united with Christ. Uh, Christ is that source of new life. And and, uh, second point here, we're implanted by my new birth in Jesus Christ. He is my life. He is, uh, has been, I've been implanted with him. That source of eternal life has been given to you. Christ is our source of life. Um, so it says, um, for if we have become united, that's, uh, that's a perfect tense verb. At some point in time, we've become united with continuing effects. And those continuing effects is that we've been, uh, the idea of being implanted, uh, it's, it's, we've received a new identity in Christ. Uh, we were in Adam And God transferred our identity in Christ Jesus through faith in Him. And through faith in His work on the cross of Calvary, being born again means that we've been given spiritual new life. We've become a new person, born together or with joint origin with Jesus Christ. That spirit that raised Him up from the dead, that spirit that empowered our Lord Jesus Christ, He sent to us and gave to us. And we've been implanted by birth or by nature. We have a new nature within us. And that nature longs for righteousness. It longs for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. It longs for such things that we should long for as His people. And then we take on the likeness of His nature. And it says that we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death. What does His death represent? What does death... Represents the, the willing sacrifice in love that he, he gave of himself. And, and he's called us to these things. That we're baptized in the likeness of his death. And Jesus Christ said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Selflessness is what is characteristic of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's what he calls us to. He calls you to selflessness, and that's the likeness of his death. Certainly, we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. So not only has he given us likeness of his nature, uh, but uh, our likeness of his death means separation, but not extinction. I want to make this, this point to you because... Uh, because oftentimes new believers, they they come into this situation where they say, oh, what's wrong with me? I've been born again, but why am I still having trouble and still struggling with these sins? Because, because when we're transferred into to Jesus' family and we're given new birth, it doesn't mean the extinction of your fleshly nature. Okay? So separation... It means separation. God has, has separated you. That's what it means to be sanctified, to be separate or to be called or set apart. But it doesn't mean that on, on this side of our resurrection, because at our resurrection, we will be separated from sin. But uh, but here, the Scripture tells us, and Paul teaches this, so take the, the whole of, of God's Word. He said, For our lust. Our flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to the one another. So much of the of the, the thing that's going on in your lives as Christians is that your flesh, which has not been ex- extinguished, is struggling against this new life that Christ has has given and placed in you, and you've got this struggle going on. Why does God do that? I'm just I'm convinced that the reason that he does that is because we have to learn because you, the original sin was the the autonomous nature of man uh, rebelling against God pulling away from God but our weaknesses draw us to the fact that we the the, the desperation and the the reality that we need God that that we can't be apart from our our God and our Creator, he wants us in this relationship with us that Christ with him that Christ called for, Father, may they be one as you and I are one, that they may be one in us. well, what does that mean? It means that we're utterly dependent upon our Lord Jesus our Savior and and in our struggles with sin, when the flesh wars against the spirit and we and our new nature is saying you know. What's wrong with me? What it does is rather than than causing us to to say, I think I can, I think I can, or I'm going to use the law to make myself right before God, it draws us in brokenness to say, God save me, which is where we need to be. That's why God does it. That's why in in the, the sanctification process, He very graciously and kindly is working us through one area or pocket of area of sin in our life after the other. And He's dealing with these things because He's teaching us that we must draw our life from Him. He's our source. He's our Savior. God is your Savior. Get it in your hand. Know this. God is my Savior. I'm not going to be able to do it like Peter did because although they, I'll forsake you, I'm going to stick it out. You can count on me. I'm going to be there. And Peter was... He was relying upon the strength of his old Adamic nature, and it was going to fail. But when G- when Peter learned in brokenness that salvation is of God, and that God would save him, and God would deliver him, and the Holy Spirit was given to him, there was a transformation in Peter's life, and there will be in your life as well. A transformation in your life when you lay hold of this marvelous principle that God is my Savior and He's going to deliver me. And that's my confidence. Not that I think I can, I think I can, and that I'm going to uh, apply the law and I'm going to apply the things that I can do to change my behavior, but I know my Lord Jesus is going to victoriously uh, have victory over the sin and the corruption and the, the lust in my life and deliver me to His glory. And God will do it because He is able and He's your Savior. not that awesome? I mean, that's the, the message of the gospel. And it's so important for us to see the, the, the link of the gospel of Jesus Christ to sanctification. You know, we don't drop it with justification. We must take the gospel on a daily basis that have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. This principle, this truth is necessary because the extinction of our old sin nature doesn't take place. It's not over until we receive that resurrection body. There's a key principle in resurrection life is is, is resurrection life out of death. As Jesus rose from the grave victoriously over death and over the power of sin, as our sins were laid upon Him and the just penalty was paid for those sins, the resurrection life, the power of God was displayed, the power that God has to save us from something that was impossible, humanly speaking. God is able, He is the God of life, Jesus Christ is the Word, and the Word was uh, was with God, and the Word was God, and that word uh, is life. He is the very essence of life because he uh, has brought to us eternal life and salvation because he's he's our creator and so uh, these things there's another things that we should know um Let's see. The resurrection source of power is the indwelling spirit. Okay, I want to make the point again. Go back to chapter 5, verse 2. and Let's look at verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, because Paul has built this whole thing, we've been justified by faith because God, uh, through Jesus Christ, uh, redeemed us, he, paid the, he became the propitiation for our sins, and we have put our trust in those things. And because of that, we have peace with God now through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to run from Him anymore. He's a holy God, and we should run. But, but His Word tells us that we now have peace with God through Jesus Christ. This is awesome and wonderful thing that God has done. And then it says in verse 2, Through whom we also have obtained... Uh, it says our introduction or our access by faith into this grace in which we stand and exalt or we boast in the hope of the glory of God. That means that, that we hope and we put our trust that God is able to save us and that we have access into this grace that forgave our sins to, 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 whereby we might walk in, in the, the light of that truth and that power. So we have newness of life, freedom from the rule of sin, access by faith into grace. Call upon the grace that God has given you. Know the power of God, the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, not the power or energy of strength of pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, changing our own behavior by some forms of behavior modification, but knowing that God our Savior will redeem us and save us from our sins. Look at verse 6. Knowing this, that our old self, I like to use the term that that they use in the King James Version, our old man, because that's the word that's used, anthropos. It's our old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So we know something. He's wanting us to think, and he's wanting us to see reality in accordance with what his the authority of his word declares, not what we think or what we experience or what the church may tell to us or anything else. Know what the gospel says, what God has communicated, because that's where reality is. That's where truth is. That's where uh, uh, those things that, that may run very contrary to your experience and how you feel or what the traditions were, or the cultural norms are, are going to conflict with these things. That's why we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our minds. The Word of God, the authority of of God's Word is able to transform us because that's reality. And we believe it by faith and we're transformed. We have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand And it's powerful. It is miraculous. And it will do things in our lives that people could only look after and long for if we lived up to that faith that God has given us. So we're knowing that our old man was crucified with Christ. He's dead. He's put on the cross there. So uh, our old man is not the same as the sin nature. That's one thing that that, uh, just... Made the point to you, but we want to make it again. It's not the same as the the nature that struggles within you. The old man is who you were in Adam, and God has has put him on the cross, uh, on a, a, and his son. And that old man has been, according to Scripture, in the past tense crucified. Okay, so we're not putting our old man to death, because uh, it's that's a, a misunderstanding sometimes. With Christians, they think, well, I've got to put the old man to death. You know, we're not putting the old man to death. God did that. We have, have been crucified with Christ. By faith, we enter into that relationship, and that old man is dead on the cross, and that's how God sees you. And he wants for you to know, Paul wants you to know, that's how God sees you, and that there's freedom in that knowledge. So now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, if the perishable must put on imperishable, then that tells me that that my old man having been crucified on the cross doesn't mean... uh, I mean, there's something that's going to happen future tense that this perishable man, this mortal, puts on immortality. There's a a, a future glory uh, that that God has promised to us in Christ Jesus. And, of course, that's the resurrection. Jesus said, uh, He that beholds the Son and believes in Him has eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Two things happen there. One... They present tense have eternal life right now. We have eternal life, but in the future, Christ promises to raise us up again, to resurrect our bodies from the grave. And this is the teaching in Scripture. It's called glorification. So, uh, and then the second point here: our body of sin is re- rendered without power. Notice it says, "Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him, in order that the sin, uh, the body of sin, might be done away with." Uh, and so the the, um, the body of sin is is the idea there is it's put to death or you might uh, might uh, just say uh, it's it's rendered inoperative okay so so what happens when that old man is crucified is that the, the body of sin is rendered without power without without that power over your life with without the 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 need for you to be in bondage any longer to sin. Third point here is that we are no longer slaves to selfish lust because that uh, body of sin has been rendered powerless in the death of the old man. Colossians 3, uh, 5 and verses 8 and 9, I just picked out these verses for you. Therefore consider, notice again it's something that you think Consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, dead to impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. But now you also put them aside, all aside, anger, wrath. Okay, so we're looking at attitudinal things now. Malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its passions. Okay, so what we're told to do is not die to self. I mean, not, not put our old man to death because God had to do that. You, you can't, uh, you know, he's not calling us to, to, uh, to, to uh, spiritual suicide there. He's, uh, God put us to death in Christ. Uh, but he does tell us, um, consider your members dead and lay aside the old self with its evil practices. Put them aside. Uh, And so we do that by faith, uh, but, uh, you know, again, the aspects of sanctification. A fourth point here is that we are set free by the death of our Adamic old nature. There's death uh, from Adam and and death uh, to Adam, um, and then there's life through Jesus Christ. And the principle of Galatians 2.20 again is, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and uh, and which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. So this is the Apostle Paul explaining: it is not I, but Christ. <clears throat> Christ is my life. Uh, if one died for all, then all are dead. And it's just this lordship of of Jesus uh, in our life, with, where we. We uh, acknowledge by faith it's not I but Christ who lives in me, that it's his nature, his glory. He's the source of my life, not I but Christ. Death through Adam means life through Christ. So let me ask this question What is your source? Okay, and how do we, uh, when you're ministering, When you're ministering, how can you tell if you're working in the flesh or in the spirit? Okay, how, you know, what is what is characteristic of this life of Christ, of sanctification, of our experience? Because we got the the old the Adamic old man. Or we've got this old nature, this flesh that wars against the spirit, and spirit against the flesh, and what we find is that religious people can be extremely fleshly, right? So, so what is the what is the, the key? How do we how do we recognize uh, that my labors are are done <clears throat> by the power of God's Spirit, the source of life of Jesus Christ within me? How do we do that? What does that look like? So the Scripture tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, there's many other characteristics of the the facets of the beauty of the nature of Christ and of His holiness and of His character and of His person, but these should be demonstrated in our life. So, so here I am. I'm ministering, and man, I'm I'm really preaching to myself here, brothers and sisters. And and I'm finding that as I'm ministering in Christ, um, that I'm frustrated, and that uh, that sometimes I'm frustrated to the point of being angry, uh, and and I'll, you know you, you look around and you say, well, pff, this is flesh, you know, I'm doing something uh, Christian-wise, ministry-wise that is by the energy of the flesh. I recognize it because, you know, I'm frustrated. You know, I'm, uh, my flesh is in action here. So I'm doing certain things in service or in ministry to Christ, and they're good things, but it's by the energy of the flesh. Well, what's the difference between the fruit of God's Spirit pouring out through us in ministry? Well, there's going to be an expression of Christ's compassion, His love, his joy, there should be joy in, in His service. You know, that's why the you know, Scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. We, that's because there's, it should be joyful because that's the fruit of God's Spirit. So when you give, it ought to be cheerful. When you serve, it ought to be cheerful. There ought to be joy there. There ought to be joy in these things because that's the expression of the, the, the very source of, and presence of God. It's the fruit of His Spirit in our lives. Patience with one another. You know, we're not looking at one another and exasperated with, with, uh, oh, that person keeps doing this thing and it's just so frustrating to me. You know, we have patience because our Lord Jesus had patience with us. The kindness and goodness. There's uh, so many times that conflict in the home, just the, the expression of kindness and goodness is going to do away with it. If we just listen to God and we draw our source from God, then, then so many things turn really beautiful because it's the expression, it's the fruit of God's Spirit in our lives, it's the fruit of Christ in you. And there's glory there for God's people because we can live that way. We can actually have kindness and patience and faithfulness and gentleness toward one another. And these things are are beautiful. They're glorious, and and, uh, and the world needs to see it. They need to to see it manifested in our families and in our lives, and and when they see it, they're going to want it, and that's what God wants. You know, He wants for the we're created in God's image, and there's a there's a a, a huge step that's taken place when we're. Saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. And ushered into his family. We may know the glory of his goodness and grace. So uh, there's other further things that we must know here. Uh, look at verse 7 there. I want to finish that. For he who has died is freed from sin. You're meant to be freed from sin. It means that that when you serve the Lord. When you minister. When you work before God. That, that the spirit. The fruit of God's Spirit in your life should be displayed. And uh, if, if not, go to the Lord in prayer. Seek Him. Seek His Spirit. Seek out uh, those things that, that He will supply by His Spirit within you. And may it be manifested in God's people by God's grace through faith because we've been given access into this grace wherein we stand and we boast in hope of that glory, that glory of God being demonstrated in our lives, the glory of God's Spirit, the fruit of God's Spirit being displayed in the practical, everyday things that we do, in the the lives that we live with our family, in the kindness and gentleness we express to one another. And these things we should strive for and work uh, for in prayer and seek God, seek access by faith into that grace that God has given to us. We shall... uh, Live, we know that we shall live with Christ. Look at verse 8. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Uh, we can live with Jesus Christ and one day we're going to be in His presence. One day we'll, we'll be enraptured into the arms of our Savior. Uh, one day uh, we'll, uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll know the fullness of, of that salvation that Christ has, has redeemed us to. Uh, and know the presence of our, our Heavenly Father uh, through Christ Jesus because He's resurrected in a physical, human, resurrected body and seated at the right hand of the Father. And He's demonstrated the first fruits of the resurrection, and we're to follow after Him. We've died with Christ. We believe that we shall also live with Him. Therefore, we don't continue in sin. We. Apart from such things because they're trivial and vain and meaningless. They mean nothing. They're passing and temporal and, and things that we grab for in this life are futile <clears throat> and meaningless by comparison to the glory of what God has done for you in Christ Jesus. So lay hold of such wonderful things. Um, so our death in Christ assures our faith of life with Christ. We believe. Now, again, I always think of of martyrdom. Uh, how do I know uh, that that I'm going to to uh, to stand and not deny Christ when it may cost me my life? How do these saints do that? Um, I, don't, I don't think they do it by the strength of of themselves, do they? But it's it's by the, the 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 reality that they know that God is going to he's going he's never going to leave me nor forsake me he's going to do in and through me what i cannot do for myself i think the key to understanding giving our life to christ is that we we understand that god's grace does through us by faith what we could not do for ourselves it's his power it's his salvation it's his glory and we can't take any of that glory. It won't be by the strength or the energy of our flesh, but by His power and His grace. And secondly, and looking at verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over Him. Christ's resurrection, we know these things. Notice again, knowing that Christ. Uh, and I, I didn't uh, talk to you about the different words that are used here. This is a or um, it's uh, uh, something that, that we perceive. Uh, Christ's resurrection is our victory over sin and death. His resurrection is it's over the mastery of sin in your lives. And so what does Paul say? Uh, may it never be that we continue in sin, but we know the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. His resurrection has assured that victory over sin and over death. So verse 10, For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So this is speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. He died on that cross of Calvary, and sin was poured out. The wrath of God was unleashed on Jesus Christ for the full penalty of your sins. And he, he did it one time. Okay? And This is hugely significant for the Jewish people that are listening here as Paul is teaching these things because they had to sacrifice over and over and over again in the Old Testament. But what Paul is saying is that God, through Jesus Christ, offered up one sacrifice once for all for sins past, present, and future. And that that one sacrifice was sufficient and that's why the question comes up, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because grace abounds. And Paul never disclaims that, that grace does not abound. Grace abounds. Uh, Paul, uh, John says, I write these things to you that you sin not. But if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father who is the propitiation for our sins and for the sins of the whole world. One sacrifice. Jesus, he paid it all. And such love for you, such demonstration of his grace. Our death in Christ was to sin. Therefore, it's absolutely against our nature to continue in sin. And then, fourthly, our life in Christ is to God. We die that we live to God. Newness of life. To the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, it makes you want to sing. Makes you want. I may get the happy feet up here. It's, it's like something to celebrate over, brothers and sisters. It's it is glorious what God has done for you. It is glorious the the extent of His love, uh, and the extent of what Christ did on the cross for us. I have awful sins in the past that that I'm uh, very uh, much grief. And, and it is true that that's tribulation and distress for, for sin always. Uh, but to know such mercy and such kindness is a glorious and wonderful thing. And I'm thankful to God for his mercies uh, to me in Christ Jesus. And I celebrate. Uh, His loving kindness and great mercy for you as well. It's it's so beautiful to be with God's people, God's family, and and celebrate the life that's been given in Christ Jesus. Look at verse 11, uh, and we'll stop here. Uh, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I reckon it. I believe it. I hear God's Word, and God's Word is truth. His perspective is truth. What he says is absolute. It is absolutely something that we can stand upon and believe in and trust in and know of certainty. There are many things in life. There are things with this, this coronavirus. You know, well, what is the truth here? And it's who knows? I mean, there's so many things that you hear here and there. And, and I mean, it's, it's just crazy. But things that we can know are these things that are spoken in God's word. They're absolutely true. And they're absolutely something that we can can place as a, a firm foundation. Order our steps, God, according to your word, according to the power of your grace, according to the truth of what you have spoken. May I know you as the God of my salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ. I reckon it to be so. I believe that... One day soon and maybe very soon the Lord Jesus is going to return and times are prophetically looking at things prophetically in the scripture. Uh, it is time for us to redeem the time for the days are evil and, and we don't know how soon the Lord will return but he said he's coming and I believe that he may soon return but I know uh, uh, that that uh, that in that return that he has said that that he will raise up those, the dead in Christ will return with him, that he will raise them up from the grave, and that uh, we who are alive will be caught up together with them, ever to be with the Lord Jesus. We'll get to be in his presence. But today, I worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I give praise and honor and glory to the one who is deserving of praise and honor and glory for his great love and kindness and mercies and salvation for the redemption that he has purchased. Worthy are you, O Lord, to receive that glory and honor and power for you've created all things. Faith in our position is uh, uh, in Christ Jesus transforms our condition. Let me make this point. It's believing what God says that transforms us. Not believing Uh, what our experience is or or what we think things are or how we perceive uh, reality but what God's word has to say about us. We need to know these things and we need to reckon upon these things because this is how he sanctifies our life, how he changes us. He changes us because we by faith reckon on the things that we are to know from his word and, and by faith Having access into that grace in Jesus Christ, God changes our condition. He transforms us. He sanctifies us. He sets us apart. He makes us and transforms us into the nature, very nature of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these are, these are glorious things of God's salvation to us. Number one, we put away our old man. Okay. Ephesians 4.22, okay, so here's the, the believer's activity. That in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside, cast them aside, put them off. Do it by faith. I'm putting aside my old self. I'm putting aside the old man because God's word tells me to. Uh, by faith, Lord God, deliver me. I, I, uh, the scripture says, Lord Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Go to prayer. Say, God, I'm laying these things aside. Make the commitment. Make that decision in your life. Lord, I'm yielding to you. Yielding to your word that the power of God may be and the source of God's power may be exercised within me by the law of faith, not by, not, not by, by law, not by, I think I can, not by behavioral modification, but by the law of God, of faith in the power and the source of God in Jesus Christ. So we lay aside the old man, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. My flesh is never going to want to do right before God. And if if it does anything, it simply twists religion and uses religion in a bad way. That's the nature of our flesh. So what I need is to... As to divorce myself from my old self, my old, uh, the old man, and the old nature, <clears throat> and lay hold of that which is in Christ. So the next thing is that we put on our new man. We put on the new self. We put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We put on the glory of His person. And the Scripture says, "And put on the new man, the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth." That's what's been given to you in Christ Jesus. It's a gift. It's not something that you can fabricate or work up. It's not a a spiritual calisthenic or exercise. It's the power of God. The power, that, that source that comes from Jesus Christ, that is righteousness and holiness and truth and genuine, sincere love and concern for other people and that which frees us to be like our Lord Jesus. And like the God that created us, what a wonderful and glorious thing that God has done! I'm going to be away for several weeks. Next week, Dr. John will be with us here on Sunday morning and be here for the men's retreat and and to hear John encourage this brother. We're so thankful for all the things that God has done in his life. And so, men, please please join us for the men's retreat. Uh, at the at Hillside, um, and uh, and then Sunday morning, uh, John will be here to preach for all of us, and so be praying for him this week, and uh, and then um, then uh, Lori and I are, are going to be going on uh, uh, taking some time away, seeing some of her family. So we're going to be away for two weeks, um, and uh, so I won't get back to. Romans chapter 6 for uh, several weeks here, but I can't wait to get back. So and I hope that you have that excitement in in, uh, God's word and hunger for it uh, as well because it's been such a blessing to me to study uh, this book. So let's pray. Father in heaven, almighty God, we give you thanks and praise. The splendor of your majesty, we give thanksgiving. To our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and washed our sins in His own blood, praise Your name. That Jesus has made us Your kings and priests, which we have been, uh, which when we have been despised in this world for for Your name's sake, uh, our Lord Jesus uh, did such things for us. Uh, to You, Lord Jesus, is glory and honor and majesty and dominion forever. You are the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the ending. Uh, You are who was and who is and who is to come, the Almighty. We shall soon behold your coming in the clouds in majestic glory and every eye shall see you in your glory and all those who have pierced you and those who have martyred your saints. All the nations will wail because of the fear of your awesome glory and the purity of your holiness. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things, and by your will they all things exist, and all things were created. Worthy are you, and worthy is the Lamb. Worthy are you, our Lord Jesus, who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing to you who sit on the throne and to the Lamb our blessing and honor and glory and dominion. For you will reign and you are victorious. You are the Lord of lords and King of kings. And we will worship you forever and ever. And we worship you this morning and express our praise and thanksgiving to you. May your glory reign in our hearts. And may we enjoy every moment of this week with the love and joy and peace and patience And kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control that is the fruit of your spirit. May that reside in our hearts and lives, we pray, in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen.